The short-term high-volatility investment crew is back, and we're not going to sugarcoat it, guys. We're jumping into MLB opening day, talk a little baseball, but we're really spending time on the final four. We got Gonzaga versus UCLA, Houston versus Baylor. Picks and full breakdown. Enjoy the show. This is 1.37 p.m. Stories of hustle and grind from the intersection of culture, style, music, and sports. Opening day baseball, final four of March Madness. This is short-term high-volatility investments. I am Jeff Sheesby, a.k.a. your main man, Shees, a.k.a. the old man of bets, alongside my guy, Ant Latino. You can find him on Twitter at The Odds Fellow. Ant, how's it going, brother? Keep betting. Keep betting. That's what we're doing. We're enjoying it. Full lineup of sports, right? Spring. Spring is in the air. Opening day is in the air. I don't have a hot dog in my hand. I'm not at the stadium yet, but the vaccination is coming. I'm going to be bugging a Yankees ticket rep. Maybe maybe we have future podcasts live from the Bronx. I think Live from Billy's in the Bronx. You said it, man. I usually take this day off opening yeah. day. I get over to Billy's at like 10 a.m., a good three hour at least pregame before opening day. But alas, I'm not fully vaccinated. Things are weird. Uh, but we can only hope to get back there for a dirty water dog ASAP, man. I can't wait, but we've got a pretty good episode for you guys today. We're talking baseball at a really high level. We'll obviously be moving more towards baseball once college basketball wraps up, but then of course the main event, the final four, we're going to go deep on both games. We've got some thoughts on sides on totals. Uh, and yeah, and we'll go from there. Yeah. So full slate right now we are recording. You got games kicking off. You have games on Thursday, opening day. You know, have a full slate Friday into the weekend. So really just strapping in and, and getting ready for baseball. I think one thing I did see and want to touch on in the headlines, you know, a negative of, of sorts, but something to watch out for. Hopefully MLB continues to react in a positive way and get these things right. But we did have a, a game already. The opener for the Mets, Mets and Nationals was postponed due to a COVID issue. Now, I have not read into that and what caused it or why, how many players or, or what they're saying. But long story short, it's at least, you know, pushed a day. Hopefully they get back on the field on Friday or Saturday. But have you seen anything about that news as well? I was surprised, honestly. I didn't hear of any issues in the Grapefruit League. It felt like yeah. all other sports have been, you know, pretty solid as of late. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a little little concerned that this becomes a, a, a reoccurring theme. I will say something that I loved about the court, the COVID shortened season last year was overs were the purest bet literally of all time. We had teams playing 15 games in like 12 days. Yeah. That means your bullpen is depleted pretty quickly. Exactly. Uh, and we uh, we capitalized on that big time. I think more like tons of our profits were, were on that. It didn't even make sense to take a side because as soon as your single light pitcher comes in in the seventh inning, you know, all bets in terms of winning this game is off. It was worse than Wade Davis blowing a save in Colorado, which is like as close as to a sure thing as Greg Holland blowing a save on whatever team he's on. So no, uh, that's, a, that's a great point. Awesome, but Yeah. And uh, one of the reasons I think you and I both target, and I learned this a little bit from you and just interacting and talking like, the first five bets too, you know, if you are weighting a starter heavily, and we'll get into this a lot more in some of the future podcasts, but, you know, betting first five versus betting a full game, the amount of bullpen meltdowns I've been a part of, good and bad, it always comes back around, it always swings, um, but tough to deal with sometimes, you know, you can't trust a closer sometimes getting out there, getting those final three to six outs, and then the middle relievers, like you mentioned, whether it's, you know, those bullpens being overworked or the the new minimums of a batter, you uh, a pitcher needing to face three different batters. So they're stuck mm-hmm. in the game a little bit longer. You can't pull yeah. them in an effort to speed things up. So a lot of factors, some of those rule changes you saw last year in the COVID shortened season. So it'll be interesting to watch those trends early on. 
Yeah, for sure, man. And, you know, it's so tough as well because, like, you know, a site like Fangraphs, you can sort by bullpen ERA. You can sort by bullpen FIP, expected FIP, you know, kind of all the stats that we love to geek out about. Uh, but that's, you know, 20 dudes who are wrapped up into that stat. So if we're getting Chapman, then great. If we're getting, again, the single leg call up, then that right. stat doesn't matter at all. So that's tough. And that was for sure. Last year, pretty much all of my side bets were first five. Uh, really just anchoring off of that starting pitcher, essentially anchoring off of the closest thing to certainty, which would be getting him for three to five innings where, and then again, you know, all bets were, were off other than the, the over. It was almost a guaranteed free run swing as soon as a, a bullpen comes in, but enough of baseball, even though I am wearing my Aaron judge and my Yankees hat, the road uh, grays look good yeah. on you in that brick. I mean, thank you. The listeners at home, it looks strong. <laughs> yeah. I wish you guys could see us right now brimming with excitement, but nonetheless, College basketball final four. This will be what I guess we only have two episodes left that we're going to be touching upon. Uh, touching upon college basketball, we've got some yeah. pretty good matchups here. I think Houston versus Baylor is going to be a better game. I think Gonzaga is an absolute buzzsaw, but we got some good stuff. Well, think about it. We got to set the stage a little bit, right? Could this be our our one shining moment? Moment? Is it going to happen in the final four? Is it going to happen in the championship? Is it going to be both? I don't know. There's a lot of clips they have to put into that montage, but but I'm ready. And to set the stage a little bit on the final four, you do have. All four teams were in the top 25 preseason uh, API poll, AP top 25 poll, mm-hmm. which I think is important, probably not too surprising, you know, especially two or three of those teams, but all four did sneak in. So you do get Gonzaga and Baylor, who were the preseason favorites at one and two, respectively, right? So they both come in as number one seeds. Houston sneaks in there as number 17, another strong performance. I think they're a two seed overall. And then UCLA, the kind of the hide seed, maybe the odd man out, they were still 22nd in that top 25 preseason poll. Uh, they get the job done all the way from the play-in. So a nice little story there, right? As the as an 11 seed, uh, getting all the way to the all the way to the dance. Yeah, I think it's super interesting. You know, those rankings better than I would have expected, I suppose. But even yeah. looking at Ken Palm, you know, my my Bible, um, you know, you've got Gonzaga at one, Baylor at two, Houston at three overall, pretty impressive, and UCLA up to 15. Yeah. Um, so all, all do you know where they started there. before the tournament and like what that what that run kind of was over the last? No, few I'm days? not entirely sure. Gonzaga and Baylor have been in the top five pretty much yeah. the entire season. Houston's been at least top 15, if not top 10, kind of right there with Loyola Chicago all season. So definitely underrated from a, an efficiency standpoint. Everybody says, oh, well, they don't play anybody. And, oh, their offense is super ugly at times. It doesn't all of those things are true. But yeah. at the end of the day, we're only betting on what we can. But UCLA has for sure skyrocketed up uh, in the last couple of days and. and Obviously, rightfully so. They've been beating some very good teams and beating them pretty handedly. Yeah, I definitely want to pick your brain a little bit on some of the common opponents, especially with Gonzaga just finally rolling through the USC, other Pac-12 you know, uh, opponent there. So so some interesting pieces. I think one thing I did want to touch on, and then I'll let you jump into what what game do you want to do first? Because I get some good tidbits on both. Uh, let's go with the 5 p.m. game, right? We'll just yeah, go right yeah so that's here. true. Saturday, 5 p.m., followed by Saturday, 8.30 or whenever they can kick it off mm-hmm. but it, you know 8 30 at the at the earliest uh so houston baylor right that that one versus two uh seed matchup almost going chalk uh with everyone kind of getting through there you have baylor coming in as a five point favorite uh and the total set currently should be around 135 um mm-hmm. one interesting thing for me just in looking at this and digging into houston and the history of the program because you typically you know especially for for younger folks depending on your age you hear Houston, you don't always think basketball powerhouse, right? Mm-hmm. Which is true. Um, you know, they've made strides. But when you look into the history and dig into it a little bit, five Final Four appearances, this is their sixth. They are one of only three programs joining both Oklahoma and Illinois as teams that have gotten there five times 
and come away empty-handed. Yeah. So, another loss. Another loss for our Houston Cougars means they stand alone atop, atop that bad list that you don't want to be on. Yeah, that's not a list you want to be a part of. And yeah. that's not something I factored into the handicap. Right. I'm blindsided by this information yeah. right now. I mean, you I didn't factor in that, that, they, but... that, they, that they ran into uh, Lou Alcindor, who later became, uh, as we know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar twice. Mm-hmm. Two L's there. Uh, Michael Jordan, L there. Patrick Ewing, L there. You might be asking, that's only four. The fifth loss, that famous upset. By Slamma Jamma against NC State and Jim Valvano in 1983. So you're talking luck. You're talking upsets. Like, is this team going to break through? I mean, I think they they can win this game. Do they cover? I'm seeing it at five and a half. I lost yeah. it in at five and a half. Do I think they cover five and a half? The answer is no. I'm all over Houston here uh, for for better or for worse. You know, I think kind of what boils down here. And this is honestly a very similar handicap that burned me last week with, right. uh, with Gonzaga and USC, just in terms of like similar statistics, but overall, you know, we've got Houston at, uh, at number three or and and Baylor at number two. So right there, right. Two of the best teams in the yeah, league. I, I think things get a little bit more interesting. Once you look under the hood offensively, you know, Houston, again, we're not expecting that we don't, it's not a pretty effort, but they are the number five, uh, Ken Palm ranked, uh, uh, sorry, the number seven Ken Palm ranked offense. And they've got the number eight defense. There's only two teams, three teams that are overall, but two teams left that are top 10 in both those stats. That's Houston and Gonzaga. Illinois yeah. was the last one. And of course they, you know, had a pretty poor showing versus Loyola, but Loyola was also very good in both of those stats. Right. I think that's so interesting. Baylor, of course, three on offense, uh, but 28 on defense. So that's a relatively large discrepancy. And you know, going through just some of these more Ken Palm stats I like to look at. There's just so much parity. Anything that Baylor does well, Houston seems to match up against it. Anything Baylor doesn't do very well, Houston not particularly strong there. And let's just run through this list very quickly. There's going to be a lot of data, guys, so listen closely. But Stop Baylor, in, number seven. Get the notepads. Get yeah, ready. Yeah, jot it down. Type it, write it, whatever you got to do. Baylor, number seven in field goal percentage overall. But Houston is number one in defense. That's a wash. Houston is number 136 in field goal percentage. Nothing to write home about there. But Baylor is is 120th in terms of limiting opponent of field goal percentage. Another wash in terms of turnover percentage here. Baylor on defense is number three. Very, very good. Uh, uh, better than Houston here. Houston's number 41, but that's still upper echelon. On the other side of the ball there, Baylor offense number 62 in turnover percentage. Houston defense slightly better at 53. Again, a wash. So, you know, everything, again, is just kind of balancing out here. Both are great at offensive boards. You've got number two for Houston, number seven for Baylor. Both are terrible at stopping offensive boards. Baylor is number 273. Houston is no number 151. So that's actually a pretty big discrepancy. But the, right. the, the macro takeaway for me is there that they're both great at offensive boards and they're both not great at defending them. You know, it's like between 273 and 150th, like both are, are, are mediocre. And, you know, even looking at shooting percentage from three, uh, Houston here is number 113th, but Baylor in terms of, of, of opponent, three-point percentage, 125. Two-point percentage for Houston, 190. For Baylor, defense, 126. You know, all in the same tiers. Baylor, of course, you said it, the three-pointer, they're going to come with a barrage, number one yeah. in, in terms of the three-pointer percentage. But Houston D is number 11. So once yeah. again, pretty, And that's probably good. one of my biggest questions is like, does their reliance on the three ball in this type of matchup, and you probably get into it with some of the, the common opponents or some of the, you know, similar uh, defensive ranked opponents from a three-point percentage like does this hurt them do they finally meet their match where that barrage either isn't going in or they're getting more hands in their face and you know they defend the ball well that number 11 ranking against the three is a strong ranking right so how much offset does that does that do to a team that that does rely on that three ball yeah 100 percent. and that's going to be you know tough you know I, I didn't look specifically i mean i did look at Houston. i looked at these 
similar these offenses versus similarly ranked defenses yeah. uh, and vice versa. And you know, yeah. what we see here, Houston versus similarly ranked defenses, Baylor's ranked number 28. Uh, they played Memphis number one, they won by three. Houston played Rutgers at number 15, they won by 15. Texas Tech played, uh, they played Texas Tech number 21, they won by 11. They played Oregon State number 60, obviously a bit of a stretch here, but there wasn't that much data. Won by six, Boise State 64, won by 10. Similar offense. They haven't played any offenses, this Houston team that is, that is at the caliber of Baylor, no doubt, but we still need to look at some data here. Cuse at number 23, they won by 26. Texas Tech, uh, again, number 32, they won by 11. Oregon State, number 35, they won by six. And SMU, number 14, uh, they won by... 14 and 22 in both those matchups. So they've showed up a lot of wins against these teams. I believe they were favored in most of them, but nonetheless, from just similar data, uh, they're, they're showing up here. And then Baylor against similar defenses has looked pretty good. Uh, you know, Illinois number nine, they won by 16, Texas tech number 32, they won by 11, Oregon state number 35, only one by six. That would be, you know, pretty close to a cover here. I love that. Um, and then, you know, on, on offense, this, this Baylor team against similar, uh, similar offenses, Nova number six, um, they won by 11 there. Illinois. Think about what they did in the second half there, right. Showing you too, that they can turn it up in a hurry. I mean, I think they were down five or six points at halftime. Five to yeah, eight. It was something in that range, but hundred percent. And, and you know, the macro takeaway here yeah. is that Houston versus similar offenses and defenses has performed Baylor versus similar offense and defenses has performed. So that again, just gives me a little bit more trust in the yeah. overall numbers that we're looking at that five and a half, probably pretty sharp. Once again, I'm taking the underdog there, trying to avoid, uh, you know, that barrage. If they get hot and pull away, I think this Houston team can scrap, scrap back with their offensive boards. And, you know, I think worth noting the only team that Baylor has played that's top 10 in both of those stats was Illinois. The other teams that they've played uh, that are highly ranked have had pretty big flaws. You've got Arkansas, uh, and number 44th ranked offense. You've got Kansas with a number 55 ranked offense. You've got Wisconsin at 28 and 16 offense and defense. Nova six on offense, but 67th on defense. There's your barrage right there. Huge, right. huge, huge vulnerability there. And specifically in that Villanova game, they are uh, in terms of three point percentage allowed in the 200s. So that is not number 11 or whatever it was for, for Houston. Let me yeah. scroll back up here. And, yeah, number and look, 11. I, I watched that Arkansas game. I had some skin in the game, the Arkansas Baylor game, of course I'm referring mm-hmm. to uh, in a little against the spread survivor pool. That was a lot of fun until Arkansas decided not to cover. I don't know how they didn't cover. And that's, that's kind of my point, my long winded way of getting there. Like Arkansas was in that game, you know, they battled right. back obviously after a slow start, but I think that was a, th- you know, three, four point game with a couple minutes left. And then the next thing you know, it ballooned up back up to seven, eight, nine, and they kind of just missed the cover by point, point and a half, depending on what you got in the closing line. So, yeah, you know, Baylor's still playing some of these games tight, to, despite their consistency all year. Yeah, exactly. So I'm going with Houston plus five and a half here. Yeah. You know, in terms of the under or towards the under, I think it's pretty low, all things considered, at 135. Um, you know, you look at these totals here, Houston versus similar offenses. They had one that was an outlier, I think. They played uh, Memphis twice. Once was 131. The other was 150. But those other teams that I rattled off, Rutgers, the total was 100. Or the total points they scored, not the Vegas total, uh, 123. Texas Tech, 117. So these Oregon are the end State. results. End results, yeah, yeah. 128. Boise State, 68. And then in similar terms of similar offenses, again, haven't played anybody, but 108, 117, 128, 134. Every single one of those is under 135. 
But on the other side of the ball, you'll get to Baylor with a similar offense. Every single one of those is over 150. So that's how we get to 135. You average your you know 111s and 117s with your 155s, and we land smack in the middle. So I think it's low, all things considered, but probably sharp. And I won't have a play. But hey, we talked about it on one of the earlier podcasts before the tournament. This now will all be at Lucas Oil, right? So Final mm-hmm. Four, you know, they are in the bigger stadium. They've probably been there a few times because depending right. on where these guys played and what region. So, you know. Keep your eye on, on those totals again. Maybe the first half under his back. I don't know. Yeah. 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 I don't what was the it. result of that uh, that Illinois-Baylor game? Because that had to be a, a heavy matchup during the year. Uh, Illinois versus Baylor. Baylor won 82-69, to 69, a 13-point victory with a total of 151 points. It's an impressive performance. Even if you say it's earlier in the year, you know, before Illinois really got rolling. Uh, it's impressive. Yeah, I mean, Baylor was steamrolling people out of the game. Yeah. They were top 10 in both Kempom offense and defensive efficiency Early ratings on. until essentially their first loss, which they were 17-0, right? And then they, right. they dropped like three out of their next yeah, nine. Yeah, a, uh, a couple big 12 games where they... Yeah, like, and that was when they, they ballooned up specifically yeah. on defense. And, you know, they've got, uh, what's his name, off-night Mitchell. Um, right. You know, if, if you only have one player, you know, he'll, he'll shut them down. But I do think, you know, this Houston offense... You know, I think they're just like a good team, right? It's ugly, it's scrappy, but they find a way to get there. And I don't know, give me the grit in uh, in this game. Love that. Well, that takes us to the other semifinal, the 8.30, the nightcap, the buzzsaw. Does Gonzaga finally hang their own banner, right? So you get uh, a powerful team, probably the, we, we already said the preseason ranked number one team. They were there. Most of the year, probably flip-flopped a little bit with uh, with a couple of the other squads you mentioned, Baylor, Illinois, Michigan, right? Some of those other powerhouses that, that mm-hmm. performed well. Uh, but one thing that's really blown me away is Gonzaga in this tournament, right? And granted, they, they, they were the number one overall seed, so they had an easier path, an easier walk, uh, as you should. Um, but they're 4-0 against the spread. Right. They covered 33 points against Norfolk State, 15.5 points against Oklahoma, 12.5 points against Creighton, 8.5 points against USC, which a lot of people were saying was the toughest matchup for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some of these haven't even been close, right? These are not only 4-0 against the spread covering like 3, 4, 5 points. These are covering three double-digit spreads. This is a huge you know, spread in the Final Four. How did you take that into consideration with things with a big number, right? They're hanging, depending on when you got it, between 13 and 14. Yeah, for sure. I was seeing 14 and a half this morning. That's um, even even moving then. Yeah, it's 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 pretty intense there for sure. Uh, I mean, I made the mistake last week of, of fading and I haven't faded yeah. them once. Well, this you year. weren't the only one. I mean, people I think got a little caught up in Pac-12 magic, the Mobley brothers, right? They look good. They got NBA style caliber stars. They were big and long. USC was rolling through teams. USC was undefeated against the spread as well. Obviously, I think mostly mostly favorites, maybe one upset in there. So it was kind of like the perfect combo. I think people got caught up in it. Yeah. I mean, you got to feel good about, you know, Timmy continuing just to yeah. eat. Yeah. That was the matchup, right? Him versus yeah. the Mobley brothers. And he obviously <laughs> emasculated them for lack of a better term, wasn't <laughs> even close, um, which I think is interesting. He's taller than every individual on this UCLA team. That doesn't bode well for them, but right. um, you know, didn't take too deep of a player analysis here other than the fact that every player on Gonzaga seemingly can score and every player can is pretty tall and every player plays great defense. So I made the mistake of fading this buzzsaw last week, but you know, let's, let's look at, some of the data here right you know we've got gonzaga uh number one team overall they're number one on offense and number five on defense once again this is all ken palm data ken palmroy.com ken palm.com actually uh just love his advanced statistics here but ucla number 15 overall fine pretty good 13 on defense on offense 
45 on defense. And, you know, I think we can use this Michigan game, obviously UCLA with a hell of a win there as, as a really solid corollary, you know, with Michigan as number nine on offense, number four on defense. But what I think is, is huge there, UCLA only scored 51 points. You score 51 points against Gonzaga, you're going to lose by 40, yeah. uh, especially with a 45 ranked defense. So did a similar exercise here, right? Looking at Gonzaga offense versus similarly ranked defenses, Gonzaga defense versus similarly ranked offenses, and then UCLA on the other side. So what we see from Gonzaga is a lot more of that buzzsaw, right? Similarly ranked defenses, you've got USC at number seven. They win by... 19 and these are all better defenses this is you know ucla at 45 right st mary's is number 12 they won by 14 22 and 23 so that's four three out of the consistency and how hard it is to play a team over and over again that you see every single year because they're in your conference and you destroyed the second best team in the conference every single time every single time man And, and no right we're looking at a 14 and a half line here Right. Just be cognizant listeners of how many of these are pretty close to 14 and a half and better on defense. Right. So you've got Kansas at 14. They win by 12. You got BYU at 29. Now we're almost getting to UCLA number 45 rag BYU at number 29. They win by 17, 11 and 10 Creighton at 32, almost a 45 here. They win by 18 UVA at 36, almost a 45 here. They win by 23. And Oklahoma at 53, finally we made it. it, made it past 45. They win by 16. So yeah. 80% of those, they cover this minus 14 and a half. Obviously, comparison is, is a little bit of a risky business, but right. let's look at their defense versus Yeah, and even looking at some of those, those those stats in terms of pressure situations, right? You had one of those BYU wins was a come from behind in the, in the conference championship. Uh, the Creighton game, and I think the Oklahoma game were also both tournament games, right? So mm-hmm. you can't even tell me that it was like early preseason stuff that didn't matter. Like these are in the tournament, in the moments, in the in the conference tourney leading up to it, still getting the job done. Yeah, and, and that's such a good point because that's what I love even more about looking at their defense versus similarly ranked offenses. This is a 13th ranked UCLA offense. Uh, of these teams that they've played, we've got Iowa at number two and West Virginia at number 11. Uh, where they only won by 10 and five, but both of those games were in December. Now we look yeah. at more recent games where we've got USC number 14 on offense again, win by 29 UVA number 16 on or 17 on offense. They win by 23 BYU. We already covered this 17. Uh, that was number 20 ranked offense. And then Creighton and, and Oklahoma, I believe, I guess we touched yeah, on we're also well, too. Yeah. Yeah. But again, you know, those are similar offenses and they blew them out. So that, that feels great to me. And this is a UCLA team. I think it is overperforming. They're way better than I anticipated. I watched very little of their games because they always tipped at 1130 on a Tuesday night. And you know, your main man, she's here. How's a bedtime? I'm the old man who bets after all 1030 comes around. I'm into Netflix. Most nights. old soul, old man, beauty. Rest. Yeah, for That's sure. Good. Drink like a youngin, but live every life <laughs> like an old man. That's about where we're at here. But I think something that's that's worth noting here again, you know, I think if they score 51 points, they lose by 35 at least. UCLA versus similarly ranked defenses. The only outlier here, which is where we'll start, Alabama, the number three ranked defense. They win by 10. They scored 88 points. I believe it was 79 in regulation. Very, very impressive, no doubt about it. And that was a recent game, so maybe they can flex and pop off. But, and, and I, I could pull it up too, Alabama was horrendous from the line mm-hmm. in that game. I think it was like 11 for 27 or something in that range. At least. Right? And yeah, Michigan was wasn't great. Range. Yeah. Michigan wasn't great from the line either. So I don't know how Alabama and Michigan stack up against the Zags from a free throw percentage. Like is UCLA completely relying on their best defense right now, which might be free throw defense for, right. for what it's worth, you know? Yeah. Which is like um, just a statistical outlier. Right? Yeah. yeah like yeah. handicapping special teams. Most exactly. We don't factor <laughs> it in. Um, but you look at the other good defenses that UCLA has played here, Michigan, number four. Yes. They won that game, 
but they only scored 51 points. USC, they played them twice. Uh, They only scored 48 points the first time and then 63 the second time. And hold up, Gonzaga just put up 85 on that team. Were those split? Did they split that series? Or was that two Uh, two L's? I think they lost both times. Yeah. Both times. So that's insane. And the only other two, you know, similar defenses here, we're looking at San Diego State at number 20, uh, which is a little bit worse than Gonzaga's fifth-ranked defense. So every one of these teams is worse at defense. They only put up 58 points there. And against Colorado, the number 22-ranked defense, they put up 65 and 61. So I think if UCLA scores what they have scored against similar defenses, uh, they won't even come close to covering this game. You know, it feels public hopping on the Gonzaga buzzsaw here. But, um, you know, I haven't looked actually at the betting splits. But nonetheless – um, I'm feeling as good as I can about the, the best team in the country. Yeah. Well, they've all, I, I think statistically too, I know they're four and zero coming into this game. I think they're also four and zero against the first half spread. Uh, so if you're not feeling as, you know, strong or confident about the full game, but I think the old man just laid out a, a great case for it. I'm probably going to be on that same side as well, but the first half might be another way to, to sprinkle, to get involved, uh, for a little bit lesser points. I think one interesting thing on the spread, you know, going back, doing some digging again, only two final four games since 96 have had double digit point spreads. Um, I, I think this is the largest. I didn't go back to see if it's the largest ever or anything, uh, but I, it's gotta be in that range if I had to guess for a final four game or a semifinal. Mm-hmm. So in 99, again, two since 96. In 1999, Duke was a minus 11 favorite against Michigan State and the Tom Izzos, as I like to refer to them. Uh, they did not cover, they did win the game by six points. In 2016, UNC, uh, congrats, by the way, to their Previous head coach, Roy Williams, shout out, just retired. Uh, one of the goats, right, in college basketball coaching. UNC was a minus 10 favorite against uh, Cuse, and they did cover. They won by 17. So we've got the rubber match coming up here, and we got to split it. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the large spread is an indication of strength, if anything else. Yeah. Plus, Duke versus Michigan State, like, pretty good rivalry there. So yeah, that's what absolutely. was, like, the intangible. Um which, you know, the heart sometimes trumps the data, no doubt about it. But uh, I, I mean, UCLA could be fun to root for the underdog, but I tried that the hard way last week. And, you know, one could be like, oh, you know, you got slaughtered last week. Now you're just doing the other. Like, I don't think I am. I came into this head, this game with like, maybe I will bet on yeah. UCLA. And Absolutely. that ran through the data. You know, we don't, we don't compound errors here. We look at every game as an individual, individual yeah. data point. Um, so not, not just fading Gonzaga or and now, now riding on them. So um, I don't know. I, I think they're going to score like 55, 60 points, this UCLA team. Uh, and, you know, Gonzaga puts up 80 plus every game. So it uh, could be, could be a long day for them. Yeah. I, I think one thing to watch and it, it, you know, UCLA is going to go as far as their guard game goes, but you know, they do have, uh, you know, one of the top, I think he's a freshman in, in this game, Mr. Uh, Johnny. So you know, if he gets if he gets going, maybe that's one way to keep it close. But I think the 51 points you alluded to, some of the performances against similarly ranked defenses, uh, it's just the performances against USC. Like you got to score to keep up with Gonzaga. Um, you know, I tweeted it at one point. I think it was during the BYU game or maybe a semi in that conference tournament. Like poetry in motion, watching mm-hmm. them on offense, just cutting and moving, cutting and moving, and uh, you know they're, they're fun to watch. So hopefully we get two more games of it. Yeah, for sure, man. Really unselfish basketball, great fundamentals. Yeah. You know, they're just, they're not letting, they're letting the defense dictate who scores. They're never playing ISO ball. They're not lines on a page. They're just playing basketball and reacting to what the defense gives them. And and that's super inspiring. Absolutely. 
think that's all she wrote. Books. That's books all she and, wrote, guys. Quick summary. We're on Houston plus five and a half. We're on Gonzaga minus 14 and a half. Uh, and we're rooting for the Yankees. So that's it. Triple threat trio rage brigade right there. And bring us home, baby. Let's get it done. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the spring. Get out there. Watch some baseball. Watch some Final Four. And we'll be back next week to cash some more tickets. Cheers, all. And that's it for short-term high volatility investments. Thank you, as always, for listening. We'll be back next week talking way more about baseball, how we cap it, why we cap it, what we do during the summer grind. As always, please follow us individually at Old Man Who Bets, at The Odds Fellow, at 1.37 p.m. who hosts this. And click subscribe to on, on Apple Music as well as Spotify uh, on the 1.37 FM stream to make sure you don't miss a podcast quite literally ever. Cheers. This is 1.37 p.m. Own your future. Start this minute. 1.37 p.m. is a Gallery Media Group original production.